The following is a presentation of the Retro Network. The House Show. For over 44 weeks, the revolutionary force in retro sports entertainment podcasts. Ladies and gentlemen, the Retro Network and the House Show podcast proudly presents to you this look at the decade of decadence. A little indulgence for your day, as we bring Saturday night to whenever you damn well please. So let's welcome to the stage your trio's tag team champions. The Master Library, Kevin, it's Tricky Hellions. The Educator of Access. And Sweet Maddie Treats. As they bring to you Saturday night's main event. The House Show Podcast Way. Welcome everyone to another edition of The House Show. It is me as always, Mr. Maddie Treats, and I am joined by my trios tag team partners. To my right is none other than the basement dweller himself, the educator of excellence. Educator, how's it going down there? Oh, it has been a rough week in terms of trying to dodge the almighty COVID bullet here. I have no idea how, why or how I am not under official quarantine. I have little faith in my county public health between knowing I've had direct exposure with employees at the game store, direct exposure with students in my classroom, and direct exposure with the private driving school that I'm a part of. I'm not sure why County Public Health has not told me I need to lock it down, but still grinding through, I guess. It is insane to me that you are, one, dodging dodging this COVID like you're Neo in the Matrix and the bullets are coming at you. You're you're bending over, you're going to the left, going to the right. I mean, it's impressive. I'm impressed. It's crazy. I mean, between sitting in a car with a client for 45 minutes, doing a driving lesson, working with the coworker at the game store, and we're within feet of each other, um, and then the students at school, students plural, who have tested positive that are in the same section as a class that I teach, and I supervise their lunch period. It's crazy. I just, I don't get it at all. It is, it is definitely crazy, but we are happy that you are somewhat healthy and you are with us. So we appreciate that. Uh, to my left, this man does not dodge COVID, but he dodges bill collectors. Ladies and gentlemen, <laughs> Mr. Kevin Hellions. I actually had one come in the mail today too. <laughs> Did you really? Yeah. It's, uh, it's so I've been with my wife. Let's see. I moved down here in 2009. We were together a couple of years before that. And then before that, um, I lived with an ex-girlfriend out on the other side of the country. I got a random bill from when I lived there. Um, okay. What, one, what was the bill? Two, how do they know that you, where you live currently? I don't know. And the funny thing is, it says uh, the time limit for this has expired so we can't actually get any money from you but if you would like to pay anyways here's how much you owe <laughs> so my question is how much do you owe 400 
But they what was it for? Said they wanted a hundred. Um, I had a Washington Mutual credit card out there that I forgot about when we broke up and I moved and everything because there wasn't any on the East Coast where I lived at all. And apparently I had like some sort of fee on it that just kept going and uh, like on paid fee plus interest plus this then another month and all. And I was like, I don't even remember this. It may have been with her. Like I have no recollection of this at all. Yeah. So then... that's crazy. That is crazy that one, you said they ordered four, you need $400, but we'll settle for 100, but you don't have to pay anything. But if you'd like to, you can. <laughs> uh, yeah, sure. Oh, sure. Yeah, take yeah. my money. Yeah. Um, there you go. You know, Kevin, I, I actually could use that four hundred dollars um, because I've gone down a rabbit hole, guys. Uh, that's what happens. You got a four hundred dollar rabbit hole. Uh, educator. Yep. I blame you for this. It's that's you know, it's a whole thing. Let me tell you, it's uh, the fig hunting. Um, is not I'm not even hunting for them. Like fig hunting is fun. Like going to the stores, looking for figures. I'm just ordering them offline. There you go. I'm not even hunting. It's not even just point and click. I'm more of a gatherer. I'm right. gathering, you know? Uh, no, I ordered, I was laying in bed and I was debating, debating, debating. And I'm like, I got to get the new Japan figures because one, they look amazing. Uh, and I said, ringside collectibles, let's do it. Uh, you know, promo code major. Let's go. Uh, so there I was, I got both series and then I was like, you know what? I should probably get a little bit of a bubbly Chris Jericho AEW figure, too. Let's throw that in there. So came to about $400. Nice. Um, so, Kevin, do you have any um, words of advice for me so I can dodge this uh, this bill? <laughs> um, you need to put a different name. Uh, actually, if you send it to Maddie Treats, because that's not a legal name, you could probably get out of it. Say, I don't know who Maddie Treats is. It's not my name. That helps. This is much like a Columbia house going to Kevin E accent. And you're like, not me. Nope. Yeah. Yeah. I, that's not my name. I did not order 12 CDs for a penny. What CDs were they? <laughs> Who knows? You know, I have a saliva. I, I went to a, uh, I went to a Goodwill today and, uh, I figured that there is, if you had to think of, you go to the CD section of a Goodwill and there is like, there's always going to be this album there. What album do you think you would always see at a Goodwill? Lannis Morissette, Jagged Little Pill. <laughs> That's a good one. That's a really good one. Soundtrack to Titanic. Soundtrack to Titanic. Celine Dion. I have always seen like the Jim Blossoms, uh, Miserable, yep. Fully, yeah. whatever it's called. Um, yep. I hey feel Jealousy. like that one's ours. Still, Hey Jealousy, one of the greatest songs ever written, in my opinion. There's nothing. I remember seeing a uh, Jim Blossoms Greatest Hits album. I was like, uh, okay, so is this just a re-release of the one album then? Yeah, well, they had some good ones. Allison Rhodes, a good tune. Till I hear it from you. Like that one, that's good. But, uh, but yeah, guys, uh, Saturday night's main event number four, fun in the sun. Um, just a just a great, great, uh, great episode. Another banger of an episode. Uh, but before we get that, we do want to say our podcast this week is sponsored. Did you know That's that? What Kevin? I'm hearing. That's what I'm hearing. Educator, we're sponsored. Uh, Kevin, do you know anything about this sponsor by any chance? Uh, I do know something about this sponsor. This is a brand new retro themed magazine called Retrofied. 
they are collecting some of the best pop culture geek retro writers on the planet, including me. Uh, you you didn't do your, and guess who? Me. Me. There you, you go. know who is a great writer for this magazine? Me. There you go. That's what we want. Um, yeah, so let me just tell you guys a little bit about the Retrofied magazine. Uh, retro nostalgia fans rejoice. Retrofied is a new quarterly magazine created to celebrate the pop culture you grew up with. From television, toys, books, movies, fashion, food, video games, and more. Retrofied has 80s and 90s pop culture coverage you crave. So a little bit about issue one. Uh, it's 52 pages of exclusive full-color retro content. A nine-page oral history of reboot cover story featuring interviews with creators, producers, writers, and voice actors telling the detailed history of the CGI pioneering cartoon series. Um, There's wide a range of columns such as Nightmare Fuel, Lost in the Stacks, and Console Corner, among others, uh, covering a variety of pop culture mediums such as comics, video games, paperback, books, tech, junk food, and with New Beginnings theme. Uh, There's a celebrity interview with chart-topping 80s band Berlin on reuniting to make new music. And there's a feature essay examining problematic issues in Home Alone, a family's first drive-in adventure, new lessons gleaned from classic movie quotes, tips for recollecting childhood favorites, and even a not-so-true tale of searching for the legendary American Gladiator contestant. So, I mean, this is right up our alley, guys. Um, so, Kevin, as I read this copy, I notice they don't mention your article. My stuff sells itself. Is that what it Doesn't is? Need to. Yeah. I'm just, I'm just throwing that out there, Kevin. You believe they didn't talk about that? Now, you wrote, uh, was it the new X-Men versus the new Horsemen? What was it? <laughs> the new Mutants versus the new Warriors. Oh, there it is. And New Warriors features my favorite comic character of all time, Speedball. Uh, so you guys, if you want to, you can learn more about Retrofied. Visit RetrofiedMag.com to view a free 12-page preview of Issue 1 or download our full 52-fall preview for free. Order print or digital copies available on the website or become a subscriber at Patreon.com backslash RetrofiedMag for exclusive bonus content and more. And of course, they are also on social media, um, and that is at Retrofied Mag. Um, so a, a few things is the, the fine folks at Retrofied Magazine have actually given us uh, a couple of uh, free magazines to give away, a little digital or print, whichever you know you prefer. So, uh, so Kevin, why don't you? Uh, I think you're going to do it on social media. So, educator, I'm sorry, you you might want to sign up for a Twitter now. Why don't you just go ahead and follow? Of course, at TRN House Show, uh, Kevin will be putting out a tweet when this episode drops that we want you guys to retweet. Uh, it will have Retrofied Magazine tagged right in there. It'll have TRN, um, you know, the TRN social account. It'll have all of us right in there. So that way we know that you are listening and getting this uh, and retweet that for your chance to win a, you know, free digital or print copy of Retrofied Magazine, whichever you prefer. There's nothing like, in my opinion, getting the physical version of magazines. Like that was like one of the best feelings growing up, and we don't have that anymore. Well, you do. You just got to try harder for it. I got the last three issues of PWI sitting around the corner from me, and I'm about to grab my fourth in a row. Physical comics. There's there's 
bunch of boxes over here full of them. Now, I know the comic books, I know like Comicology, Kevin, uh, they do like their subscription service. Is there like a subscription service for Newsweek or Time or anything like that where you can go back, look at back issues or anything like that? Are you familiar with? I mean, I know like they, they do like the news and stuff like Apple and yada, 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 but. Right. Well, like um, just uh, through my job, we have a deal with a app called RB Digital that has hundreds of magazines on there. You can just go on it through your local library and they have um, like a year back, if not further, for a lot of them. I still think it would be a great idea for the WWE network to put, you know, PDFs of their old magazines on the website, or even if AEW ever releases a streaming service, if they could work a deal out with, you know, pro wrestling illustrated to put that that content on. But the only thing with that is I'm curious, copyright would work with photos and stuff like that. Disney should have Marvel comics, Disney comics, Star Wars comics, all that on there too. Right. They can figure it out. I'm sure we can get a kind of a rustling version, you know, yeah. going on here, so that we can have access archives. Yeah, uh, you mentioned the Disney thing. I wonder if they would just roll that into with Comicology. They do like there's Marvel Unlimited Comicology thing that kind of crosses over a little bit. Yeah, but um, but yeah, Retrofied Magazine. I mean, obviously, the, if you're a fan of retro and if you're listening to this show, you you must be. Um, they're gonna they do quality work. I mean, they hire quality writers. Um, I don't know how Kevin got in there, but uh, the other ones are good. <laughs> wow. So. <laughs> uh, so if you're going to subscribe to one Patreon this month, make it Retrofied Magazine. If you're going to subscribe to two, make it the TRN, uh, you know, the TRN social. And if you're going to have a third one, if you have an extra dollar, throw it to Kevin. Hey, clearly, I haven't listened to the most recent episode because uh, Wizards just started one, too. Well, throw their four. Drop me at, down to four. At odds is five. Kevin's yeah. only fan is further six. and further down the ladder, yeah. man. No. Yeah. Why don't we get right into Saturday night's main event number four? The event actually took place on December 19th, 1985, but it is being aired on January 4th, 1986. And we are in lovely Tampa, Florida at the USF Sun Dome. Um what did, what did you guys think of being in Florida in the wintertime? I thought that was kind of an interesting take on it. Um, this is airing the beginning of January, and really, it is the fun in the sun episode. Lots of beach bodies, lots of eye candy for the uh, 18 to 49 demo here. Uh, very much appreciated. Lots of variety. And for that, I think it's smart. Let's get something to look at. Most of our usual, because I mean, WWE was a, or WWF, whatever, was an East Coast based uh, promotion in territory days. So a lot of your longtime fans are all bundled up and, you know, in snowy climates, much like we are right now. I think it makes a lot of sense to just throw something like this on. Yeah. And they really, you know, go to these themes. That's one thing I've noticed you know, is they're, they're trying to find their rhythm. Um, obviously the first, the pilot episode, if you will, then you had the uncle Elmer's wedding Halloween episode. And now we're the fun in the sun. They're trying to really theme these episodes out to make them feel like a bigger deal. Um, I'm curious if they will continue to do that as we go forward. Yeah. The pre-tapes that they are doing to insert into the show, 
uh, with the themes and the ideas. They're they're really giving a lot of decent content, uh, more of the entertainment value, so to speak, rather than just the the professional wrestling aspect of it. Uh, lots of fun stuff just peppered throughout the entire episode with the whole idea of the summer. Well, I should say, you know, the, the sun theme and, and the beach theme and the poolside. So uh, lots of fun vignettes to talk about later in this episode. Yeah, we get started early with a a Hogan protein shake segment with uh, with Mean Gene. Now, uh, two questions. Is this the Hawk Hogan blender that he's using? And number two. The Thunder Mixer? The, yeah, the, the Thunder, Thunder Mixer, mixer. baby. Uh, at number two, um, I think I got to add the Mean Gene Tuxedo Bathing Suit to my list of possible Halloween costumes this year. Absolutely. Uh, Phenomenal. Because it's fantastic. So let me just write that down. So right now, uh, and we'll do power rankings probably at the end when we wrap up the Saturday night's main event. Uh, <laughs> but right now, guys, we have Hogan at Uncle Elmer's wedding, of course, in the cutoff shirt and the, the leather pants. Uh, and now Mean Gene uh, in a tuxedo bathing suit. It's a good one, too. Good good for runners right there, let me tell you. Uh, I love the, the protein drink. I know normally when I make mine, I usually just immediately insert a whole banana and a whole egg in shell and not push the button and just drink directly right mm. from there. You know, get, get the calcium directly from the shell. Sounds about right. See, I do mine uh, the night before and then let it sit in the fridge overnight so all the flavors mix. You do like overnight oats. Mm-hmm. All right, cool. Um, do you think that was a rib on uh, Mean Gene, where Hogan's just gonna throw whatever he wants in there and then make him drink it? I think it's just a rib in general for doing this spot with the blender. Ooh. There's a Tuesday Night Titans or Primetime Wrestling where Legion of Doom uh, put together protein shake in the blender. I think they have Sean Mooney drink it, maybe. But it's just as it's actually probably more disgusting, but fantastic segment. All right, and then we follow that up with, uh, you know, th- this is one thing is there's a lot of quick hitting segments. I- I've noticed um, as we go through little quick bites, little kind of skits 12, and different things 12, like 15 that. 15 seconds, say, yep, little skits. A L- lot of hits. So we hit uh, Piper with Jesse the Body. They're at the ladies' poolside. Um, and then we have uh, Hillbilly Jim, Uncle Elmer, and who is it Cousin Junior in the pool? Is it Cousin Luke? What is going on here? Cousin Luke. It's a new hillbilly a replacement body. Are it you appears. sure? I don't know what happened. Oh, very much. It's definitely a different person. Because I could have swore they're the same person. Um, Are you trying to say all hillbillies look alike? Does that make me racist? <laughs> yeah, a little bit. Just a tiny little bit. Well, hillbilly cyst. <laughs> Hashtag awkward. I'm just throwing that out there. I thought they were the same. I mean, they both don't have shoes on. True, true. Well, uh, I mean, speaking of not having certain things on, you got Jesse and Roddy Piper surrounded by women, but they're too busy watching the hillbillies across the way than any of the women surrounding them. I mean, do you blame them? They're in those floaties. They're <laughs> looking good. Uh, so we get Vince McMahon running down the card. Um, you know, Jesse joins, but really, is this Bobby the Brain? Jesse has a match, so Bobby the Brain Heenan is going to be on the call. Is this his first official call on WWF television. It appears to be absolutely. And we see the, the glitzy jacket with his name on the back coming in, ready to just set the tone for what is going to be uh, decades of broadcast journalism at its finest. Speaking of Chalkline is releasing another Bobby, the brain Heenan jacket that I have to buy the baby blue survivor series jacket. 
either of you get the Nightmare on Elm Street reference there? I did not. Um, when Jesse is saying that, you know, he can't announce tonight because he has a match, but here's Bobby Heenan. He says, you got the body, but I got like Vince has the body, but I got the brain, which is Nightmare on Elm Street 2, Freddy's Revenge. When Freddy's trying to possess the teenage boy, he actually says that to him. Completely which missed came that. out in 85. So wow, I think well it was played, sir. Well played. Yeah, did not did not reference that. So great job, Kevin. On that, when I'll edit that out so you don't sound smart. <laughs> so you'd have to edit my whole entire appearance on the show out then. Oh, oh, you know who's zing? You know who's smart? Me. Um, <laughs> me. So then we get Mean Gene interviewing uh, Piper and Cowboy Bob, and then we get a flashback to the wedding. Then we get Mean Gene interviewing the Hillbillies with Cousin Luke. Are you sure this is not Cousin Junior? That's a different cousin. Definitely but, a different uh, cousin. Excuse me, they're not the hillbillies. Quote, we're professional athletes. And professional they are. The most professional athletes. <laughs> and that leads to match number one on the card, which is Roddy Roddy Piper with Cowboy Bob Orton and Jesse the Body Ventura taking on the hillbillies which is Hillbilly Jim, Uncle Elmer, and definitely Cousin Junior. Cousin Luke's there. Come on, get it right. Cousin Luke worked hard in this match. How dare you not remember Throwing, him those, like throwing those double Maybe axe Maybe he's handles. CLJ. Cousin Luke Jr. Cousin Luke Jr. you sure it's not Cousin Jr.? I could have swore that they just changed his name. Person. I literally wrote no. down, changed his name. It is absolutely a different person. Why don't we just go Vince McMahon style and just call him cousin? All right, cool. We're just sorry. drop the other part just of his name. Just drop the lot. Exactly. I was going to call name. him Uso Jr. So <laughs> uh, So, anyways, why don't we uh, go ahead? What did you guys think of this first one? Without a doubt, on the Melter scale, probably a seven-star classic showcasing <laughs> uh, the talent, the in-ring, uh, just mind-blowing, the capability of all, all of these gentlemen. Crazy. The... The hillbilly team here wrestle like Jar Jar Binks fights battles in Phantom Menace, where he doesn't have any actual skill or anything. He just kind of falls into certain situations, and they end up being beneficial, but accidentally. Like, he stumbles into a tag. He doesn't go for a tag. He just kind of falls into it. Pretty much the majority of the match is a lot of stumbling and falling on the hillbilly's end. It's crazy. Yeah, so why don't you go ahead and break this one down, educator? All right, we see the start of the match with Jesse Ventura with an eye rake onto Uncle Elmer and then has three to four shots to the back, staggering Elmer around. Elmer is able to respond with two right hands and then a double-handed choking lift onto Jesse Ventura. Hillbilly Jim tags in and uses a side headlock to Jesse Ventura. Ventura is capable of doing an Irish whip into the ropes and hitting a knee to Hillbilly Jim in the solar plexus and then is able to tag out to Roddy Roddy Piper. Piper comes into the match with two quick rights that ends up staggering Hillbilly uh, back to his own corner, allowing Cousin Luke to tag in. Uh, as Piper and Cousin Luke uh, kind of square off in the ring, there's a handshake, att- uh, handshake attempt by Roddy Piper. Cousin Luke doesn't fall for it as he grabs the hand and does a quick kick to Piper's gut and then has, uh, uses a few double axe handles to knock Piper down. Piper is able to stagger and roll around and eventually tag in Bob Orton. 
Uh, together, Bob Orton and Roddy Piper do a double Irish whip to Cousin Luke and hit a double back elbow to knock Cousin Luke down. We see Bob Orton with a bunch of stomps to a downed Cousin Luke, and eventually Roddy Piper tags back in. We see Roddy Piper hit the big million-dollar knee lift to knock Cousin Luke down to the uh, canvas. Bob Orton tags back in for a few more quick shots to Cousin Luke, and Cousin Luke responds with a big headbutt to Bob Orton. Bob Orton staggers back and tags in Jesse Ventura. We see Jesse Ventura with a snap nair to take Cousin Luke down and then a grinding of the foot uh, against the face of Cousin Luke. Roddy Piper tags back in with see a couple of cheap shots to Cousin Luke and then eventually Bob Orton tags back in use hitting an elbow off of the top rope onto a standing Cousin Luke to knock him down. Cousin Luke ends up staggering back to his own corner uh, for a tag, but the referee ended up missing the tag itself. So Randy Orton is capable of keeping Cousin Luke in the ring. He body slams Cousin Luke, tags in Roddy Piper. Roddy Piper takes a little bit too long to get into the ring as he's showboating to the crowd, and Cousin Luke is able to stagger back and finally tag in Uncle Elmer. Piper and and Elmer are slugging back and forth in the ring. Eventually, Elmer picks up Roddy Piper for a big uh, bear hug. Piper grates Uncle Elmer's eyes in order to escape the bear hug submission. We see a six-man melee in the ring. The hillbillies clear the ring, and eventually we end up getting uh, called to a commercial break. We immediately come back from the commercial break from the network feed where we see Piper working on hillbilly Jim in the ring. Piper hits a headbutt. Hillbilly Jim counters with a headbutt of his own. Eventually, Roddy Piper tags in Jesse Ventura, who forearms Hillbilly Jim. And we see a double team with uh, Bob Orton as Bob Orton is tagged in to work down Hillbilly Jim. Cousin Luke eventually tags back into the match and goes crazy with double axe handles running on all opponents. Piper is able to lock in a sleeper hold onto Cousin Luke as Cousin Luke is staggering after uh, Piper was tagged in. Cousin Luke is able to escape. He ends up hitting the ropes to do another offensive maneuver, but Bob Orton loads up the cast and swings and hits the cast to the back of Cousin Luke's head, knocking Cousin Luke back down onto the canvas. Piper locks in the sleeper hold again, and referee Hebner ends up lifting up Cousin Luke's arm three times, and Cousin Luke doesn't respond. So your winners by sleeper submission, Cowboy Bob Orton, Jesse Ventura, and Roddy Roddy Piper. Was the sleeper for Piper just such a signature move that he still went for that instead of a pinfall, even though he's out because of the cast anyways? I I just think uh, at that time, Piper was just, he didn't have, I don't believe, an established finish. I know during his second run, especially during the Intercontinental title run that he had with his feud with Bret Hart, he was using that sleeper hold. Uh, as a finish, and that's why we ended up seeing that unique uh, kickback from Hart staggering from the ropes and the Piper's shoulders down as he was holding the sleeper from WrestleMania 8. I just think it was just a matter of taking advantage of the situation and, and you know, trying to establish, I guess, that particular hold, maybe beginning to, to set it up as his finisher. Um, You got great talent on one side, and then just kind of a joke on the other here uh i i mentioned like there's a hot tag that uh 
cousin Luke there just kind of stumbles into. But then there's also like there's another tag that there's no build up. And I mean, part of it is these matches are just so short. There's not really a lot of time to do like some psychology and a big, you know, wear down the face and work up for the hot tag moment. You can't really do a lot of those things here when you're they're given like four or five, six minutes to tell the whole match and the whole story, even with a commercial break in this match. Um, who, who says it? Is it brain? It's gotta be Bobby brain. Uh, quote, I like it when hillbillies are on their knees. <laughs> that was a heck of a quote on here. And then, uh, to go back to treats there, not knowing the difference between cousin Elmer and cousin Luke there, or sorry, um, cousin Luke and cousin junior. There's also quote, all hillbillies look alike to me. So, I mean, you have a kindred spirit here in the announced team, but then I noticed like uncle Elmer's huge. He is, but he comes across as just like a fat guy. But Hillbilly Jim, because of his build, comes across as a monster, an, an underrated monster, I'd say, in WWF history. But there seems to be like just being tall and weighing a lot isn't enough to really seem like a monster. Right. But if you have a build to you, a frame, you know, like something impressive, now you seem like a monster. Otherwise, you're just like you're just a fat guy. Right. Hillbilly Jim just is like deceptive in terms of like his in-ring ability. I think the coveralls and the gimmick, I really think hid a lot of his true talents. I mean, he what especially like when he came back for the WrestleMania 17 gimmick battle Royal, I mean, he still looked fantastic. Like he could still go. I, I really think just, I understand the whole, the eighties theme and the, the whole gimmick and so on. I just I feel that I I wonder if there's a lot more that we missed out on the capabilities of the person who played the character of Hillbilly Jim had there been a different kind of gimmick for him. Oh, I think between injury, between him having like a contract dispute and leaving, like there's a lot of things that kind of started and stopped him. But then he never went and did like NWA or WCW either. I think he was just having fun with it. He enjoyed it. He had a certain group he wanted to hang out with, but he he wasn't obsessed with wrestling either. Like, okay, I'm not doing that. I'll do something else. Whatever. Like, kind of a, he's probably just a laid back dude. Uh, Treats, did you bring your sign there? I saw a sign in the background. NBC, no, uh, nobody but Cousin Luke. I was wondering if you had to change that you know last minute. You know what's weird about Cousin Luke, Cousin Junior, whatever you want to call him? You think. Well, it's two different people. Well, yeah. they're. I mean, they're totally different people, but it's fine. Supposedly. Have you ever seen them in the same place at once? I rest my case. Uh, Barely seen them in <laughs> yeah. one place. Is okay. So, Uncle Elmer's the big guy, right? Yeah. Hillbilly Jim's your worker. Shouldn't your worker. like cousin Luke or cousin Junior be like a really small p- person? Like they have sized. They have sized. I mean, he kind of is in relation to the other two. I mean, Elmer and Hillbilly are actually relatively tall guys. But so. shouldn't shouldn't? I, I mean, I'm looking at at it more like the dynamic of that should be your spike Dudley. Like, you know what I mean? Like that's the person they pick on because he's so small. And then you have the two cousins that come over that are, it's like our dynamic. <laughs> I'm clearly the cousin junior. Here. Right. Right. Or cousin. Luke, oh, so or cousin so you're the uh, interchangeable guy is what you're saying. <laughs> me and Crone. <laughs> <laughs> that's what my last girlfriend told me. So, <laughs> Oh, <laughs> but i no, i get it you think that spot should be like your heat seeker right yeah 
it's just weird. It's a weird dynamic because, you know, cousin Luke, cousin junior, one of the cousins, whatever, you know, the, the two cousins there, I mean, they have good size to them. It's not like they're, they're small guys. It's just a weird, I don't know. Yeah. So anyways, we follow that up with, uh, you know, a little segment with Vince, Bobby and Jesse, um, Jesse coming back to the announce table. Then we get more fun in the sun. We get a WWF flashback where we're looking at Jimmy Hart getting branded again. And then, guys, how do you like to settle disputes? Well, I know that whenever I had frustrations with Hallians in high school, like the easiest way that he and I, we settled the score is um, we uh, we we had a water slide competition to mm-hmm. see who, who could hit the pool the fastest. We, we got in the car, went up to Enchanted Forest. Uh, 20 paces and then down the slide. 20 paces. Uh, remember to remember keep Art. your legs crossed when you get out of the tube and hit the bottom there. Absolutely. What are the rules of a water slide competition? So it's uh, it's a ready, set, go format. You're only allowed to go when the go is called. You have to make sure that you are started in a seated position. And then once the go is called, first man to the bottom is the winner. <laughs> No, <laughs> I would also suggest poop beforehand. Yes, yes, you don't want poop water. Um, my, my, <laughs> when you guys went and had your competitions at the water safari, mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. number one, uh, who told you to go? And number two, did the fun ever stop? Well, we always did the uh, the million dollar man payoff, and we we ended up slipping the park attendant at the slide. You know, a good fiver. In order to mm-hmm. uh, count us down, one, two, three, ready, set, go. And uh, when we ever went, the fun never stopped that day, baby. Uh, we carried around stacks of bills in our waterproof carabiners. Yeah. So I thought it was very interesting that a re- they would have a water slide competition, and it was just to see who get in the water. What did they win? What was the, what did JYD win? Pride. Bragging rights. Mm-hmm. The claim of the ladies surrounding poolside it's gonna <laughs> so, thump all night this is just so weird they <laughs> so weird uh, so anyways then we get jesse the body of Ventura interviewing terry funk by the pool love the the half skirt cover-up that jesse ventura is wearing around his trunks it's it's a sign only he could pull you. it off exactly or the ladies could pull it off of him. right yeah and then we have the uh uh, they're talking about the Sports Illustrated cover with Hogan on it. Mm-hmm. Um, little known fact about Sports Illustrated, guys. My father at one point owned every Sports Illustrated ever. And this is like in the early aughts, like the early 2000s. Just tough for a weekly magazine. He bought every, he bought like a woman's collection of Sports Illustrated and he had every single one. Isn't that insane? It's crazy. That's crazy. And then he sold it, but hmm. but he had it. Yeah, it's just kind of crazy. That's what people do with art. It's just it's it's the honor of knowing you had it at one point. Yeah, you know what I mean. But think about that. If you could have a whole collection of something, you know, from start to finish, you know, it'd be easier to start from the first, you know, the first one, right? And then just buy them monthly or weekly or quarterly, right? You know, this was actually a discussion in the comic store last week when I went in. Um. Because uh, there was a guy that's trying to collect uh, all Batman appearances, or like a cl- complete run of Detective, which gets 
crazy money. Uh, like one just sold for two million. It was like a nine point four out of ten. Batman's first appearance. But the advice that they were giving is if you're going to start collecting a character, don't start with cheap issues. Start with the expensive issues because those are only going to get more expensive the longer it takes you to get them. Whereas cheap issues are always going to be cheap. So if you were going to start a collection now for any magazine, what which magazine would you start? Well, for me, it'd be easy. I'd go back and get all the Nintendo powers. Okay. Kevin? Are they still publishing Swank? What sort of porn is that? <laughs> Not a good one. <laughs> <laughs> Not a good one. Um, I'm surprised you guys didn't pick the obvious one that I was hoping you would pick, which is Retrofied oh, yeah. Magazine. Get your first ah. edition. Well, as a contributor, I already have my copy. From our sponsor. Yeah, so go ahead. You can start from start from the beginning at Retrofied Magazine. Great magazine, guys. You guys can't even pick up what I'm putting down. Jerks. Ugh. Tell me more about the Swank magazine. <laughs> you don't want to know. I'm sorry. The COVID is slowly raging, my, ravaging my body. I sold some. But... Uh, then we have another. Swank, Swank magazine. I'll do that to you. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then we have another WWF flashback of uh, Terry Funk branding Hogan. Uh, and. Uh, with Gorilla Monsoon. Uh, I just wrote Gorilla Monsoon down. Doing commentary, must be. Doing an, a review of a big spot that happened earlier at the end of, of 85. Um, and then we go to Mean Gene. Of course, he is talking with Hulk Hogan with JYD in his corner. Of course, that's what, what you do when you corner Hulk Hogan is after your, um, you know, swimming competition or slide competition, you corner Hulk Hogan. It makes sense, you know, and be Hogan second, you know, and make sure there's won't be any shenanigans from Jimmy Hart causing any interference in the match. And then we go to match number two, which is Hawk Hogan with, in his corner, the JYD, the Junkyard Dog, taking on Terry Funk with Jimmy Hart in his corner. Um, so, you know, we've seen them move Hogan around in the on the card to figure out where they're going to maximize their ratings. Uh, do you think match number two is the a good spot? I mean, they had the hook because uh, the first match they had building up since episode what three, no two with the the wedding. So, um, do you think that's why they led with the hillbillies match? I think so. It's just been continuous storyline building to uh, to that big blow off between the hillbillies and the opponents in the six man tag. It only seems natural now for the championship title defense to follow up. Probably right around the, you know, quarter to midnight, 10 of midnight, you know, block of time when this was probably playing. I was going to say, as long as you're sure, you need to guarantee the Hogan match is over by midnight. As long as he's on build up, match, finish, pose, done by midnight, he's good anywhere for segment, second segment, third, whatever. As long as it's over and done by midnight. That's, that's what your wife told you. Like it's over and done by midnight. You can have whatever you want. So eleven fifty-five right now. Hogan must pose, boot, baby. Boot, leg drop, pose. pose. Yeah. Gotta be done by midnight, Kevin. No. I'm just rip the shirt, drop the leg. Now that's a leg show. So um what did you guys think of the Hogan uh Hogan Terry Funk match? Hogan sporting the rip'em baby blue outfit for no holds barred a little early, trying to give us a preview of what's going to come in a few years, I guess. Um, interesting match between former NWA at 
heavyweight champion Terry Funk and current WWF champion uh, Hulk Hogan. Interesting to see these two champions from separate eras colliding, uh, certainly on a national stage, trying to get as many eyes on the product as possible. Uh, Terry Funk was a bump machine for for Hogan. Uh, I liked the match a lot. I really felt that uh, yeah, I, the dynamic, the difference between the two and and, and Terry Funk working Hogan style, I, I think it actually it worked really, really well. I think just hearing them call Terry Funk Middle Asian crazy in 1986, taped in 85, and then ECW was like 10 years later, and then his run as, you know, Chainsaw Charlie, like, he was Middle Asian crazy a decade earlier. <laughs> he's already having this moniker, but man, he's fantastic here. One thing I noticed too is we talked about how great Terry Funk looked in the Halloween Havoc, the you know, 88. Was it 80? No, 89. What Halloween Havoc was it? 88, 89? Where he was just 89. Yeah, the yeah, when he was in the time. Where match. he was and to me, this Terry Funk did not look as good. Which is kind of interesting to think, like, and I'm just talking about physical appearance, like, you know, Terry with abs in 89 is so weird. This was more of the Terry Funk that I remember. I don't think Hollywood and any of his, you know, movies, I don't think he had been starting those yet. I think this is another year or so uh, to come before he's in that, uh, what is it, Over the Top with Swayze? No, not Over the Top. What was that movie with Patrick Swayze? Roadhouse. Roadhouse, yeah, he was in Roadhouse with Patrick Swayze, and then he had a few other, uh, you know, short cameo roles as well. So uh, he ha- he hasn't hit that point yet. But I mean, no, he doesn't look jacked like he looked in the appearance that we reviewed, you know, previous season. But he still looks phenomenal. He bumps his ass off. He looks great in the ring. Like, no, he doesn't have to have the jacked build. He's talent wise, he's doing everything. He he looks like the '70s wrestler that is still powering through, and he he's an elder statesman in terms of you know still trying to be relevant in the world of professional wrestling. And I think he he does a fantastic showing against Hogan in this match. Yeah. So why don't you go ahead and uh, break this one down for us, educator? So we see at the start of the match, Hogan and Funk tie up, and they start doing uh, Irish whips, and they keep reversing each other into the corner. Uh, Irish whip attempts until Hogan is able to overcome and send Terry Funk into the opposite corner. Hogan then charges through and follows up with an avalanche clothesline, uh, stumbling Terry Funk to the canvas and eventually out onto the floor. Back in the ring, we see a collar and elbow, uh, collar and elbow tie-up, Funk with two chops to Hogan, Funk does an Irish whip to Hogan where Hogan is able to reverse and is able to clothesline Terry Funk over the top rope and back onto the floor. Eventually, Terry Funk gets back into the ring and we see another tie-up. We see an Irish whip by Hogan. Terry Funk drops down for Hogan to uh, run across and charge across the ring. And we see a fun spot where Hogan just keeps hitting the ropes back and forth, back and forth. But as Hogan is is running the ropes and Terry Funk is laying down, we see Hogan basically stepping over or stomping on top of Terry Funk's body back and forth three or four times as Funk is trying to stagger and get out of the ring each time Hogan is doing a run over. Eventually, Funk is getting out on the floor, frustrated. He ends up tossing a chair into the ring. Hogan ends up grabbing the chair, setting it in the ring itself, and sits down and is baiting Terry Funk to get back into the match. 
Terry Funk finally returns into the ring. We see another collar and elbow tie-up with Funk backing Hogan into the corner. We see Funk with two stiff chops to Hogan. Hogan is able to power out and overcome and puts Funk into the corner where we see a lot of right hands uh, working down Terry Funk. Hogan uh, whips Terry Funk into the opposite corner. Funk does the the Ric Flair flip-flop floozy over the turnbuckle and onto the ring apron. Instead of staggering to the floor, Hogan catches Funk and does a snap nair of Funk over the top rope, bringing him back into the ring. We see Hogan hit a belly-to-back suplex on the Terry Funk, and we get our first pinfall attempt of a two-count from uh, Hulk Hogan in an attempt to pin Terry Funk. Terry Funk is able to get up and does a uh, questionable mule kick to the uh, lower extremities to Hulk Hogan. The referee didn't apparently see it. There was no disqualification call. Funk ends up climbing uh, to the top rope only for Hogan to eventually stagger to the ropes and shake the ropes, causing Funk to fall off the top rope and kind of crotching himself over the top rope. We see Hulk Hogan with an atomic drop and a headbutt to Terry Funk. Hogan with an Irish whip to Terry Funk into the ropes. Hogan rebounds from the opposite rope as Funk is charging and he hits a stiff clothesline to Terry Funk. We see Hogan run to the corner turnbuckle and then does a running, leaping elbow drop to a downed Terry Funk. I was expecting to see the big leg drop and the finish there, but it was an elbow drop to Terry Funk. Uh, Hogan ends up now working a side headlock onto Terry Funk. Terry Funk is able to Irish whip Hogan into the ropes, but Jimmy Hart does the spot where he ends up grabbing Hogan's leg as a distraction. Hogan ends up turning around and giving chase to Jimmy Hart on the floor. We've got Hogan chasing Hart from one side, JYD from the opposite side, where they're closing in on Jimmy Hart, and we see Jimmy Hart climb under the ring as a means to escape both Hogan and the Junkyard Dog. The referee ends up uh, working uh, a distraction angle when Hogan climbs back into the ring, where the referee is distracted by JYD, who is looking for Jimmy Hart. And we see Terry Funk unwrap some wrist tape from his forearm and begins choking Hogan with that unwound wrist tape. Referee doesn't see anything happening. We see Terry Funk with a pile driver and a very questionable count from the referee. Even Jesse Ventura was going nuts on commentary where we get what seems to be a much slower two count from referee Dave Hebner. Jesse Ventura is absolutely flipping out on commentary regarding how Terry Funk just pinned the champion and he should be the new WWF champion. We see Terry Funk with a bunch of right hands. Hogan is starting to work his way back up onto his feet. He ends up hulking up. We see Hogan with the Irish whip and a big back elbow to knock down Terry Funk. Hogan picks up Funk again, does a second Irish whip with a big boot sending Funk through the ropes onto the apron. Hulk Hogan attempts to do a suplex to bring Terry Funk back into the ring, but Jimmy Hart ends up climbing onto the apron. Apparently, the referee was distracted by Junkyard Dog, and we see Jimmy Hart using the branding iron and smacking Hogan in the the chest or throat area as he is suplexing Terry Funk back into the ring. Uh, The branding iron is used as a weapon to knock Hogan down, and we see a pinfall attempt by Terry Funk where he only gets a two count as Hogan is able to get his feet on the ropes in order to stop the pinfall attempt. After that spot, JYD makes his way around the ring towards Jimmy Hart, ends up knocking Jimmy Hart down to the floor with a big right hand. Terry Funk is arguing with the referee, thinking he's won the championship, as Hogan is given the time to kind of recover. 
And eventually, when uh, Terry Funk's back is turned, Hogan staggers back up onto his feet, sets up for a big running clothesline onto Terry Funk. When Terry Funk turns around, and Hogan gets a big, quick one, two, three pinfall onto Terry Funk with that clothesline, your winner and still WWF champion, Hulk Hogan. Post-match, we see Terry Funk kind of like bewildered. He's frustrated. He's staggered. He ends up grabbing the referee and dragging the referee out of the ring. Ends up pushing the referee against the guardrail. Commentary is suggesting that there's probably going to be some kind of fine or action taken against Terry Funk due to his actions to the referee. I was so impressed with Hogan, and then I realized, and it's going to sound weird because it's Hulk Hogan I'm talking about, but this was Hogan upping his game to Terry Funk's level here. Like Hogan running over on top of Terry Funk. That was just a fun spot. That was absolutely. Yeah. So great to see Hogan forth. Yeah. It's so crazy to see Hogan do that with the speed and everything. Um, Jimmy Hart being shown under the ring, just the camera angle alone. I was like, well, that's different. Right. That was kind of cool. Um, and then the, the setup there, Funk hitting the pile driver on a Hulk, I I felt he barely kicked out. Like, I don't know if it was great selling or if he thought, oh, no, I thought this was the two count. This is the three. I got to move real quick here. Right. Like, right. It, it seemed like he almost forgot to do it. Uh, the branding iron spot was fantastic. And Hulk with the foot on the rope, that was just like Hogan doesn't really, you know, break a lot of pinfalls with a foot on the rope or an arm or grabbing it or whatever. Like, that was just an inspired spot, too. And then I absolutely loved Funk dragging Jimmy Hart back. Like, just pulling him across the ground, through everything, through the fans, all of it. Just like, I, I don't even know, like a kid carrying his teddy bear behind him to go to bed. Right. <laughs> it was just fantastic. I And really, it's because I'm trying to see, like, okay, this is a different Hogan. Yes, he's younger, he's probably hungrier, he's probably on a lot of Ico Pro. You know, there's certain things that is going to be different than later stuff we saw or what were, you know, our most recent memories of his matches. But this, I really, I'm giving the credit to Funk for bringing this out of Hogan for this match. Why do you think, um, because at the end, you know, Funk gets some heat back on him by beating up the ref and stuff. Why do you think no one came up for the ref? (laughs) No other officials or well, anything like that. It's not like there's a referee out there tonight that's also a trained wrestler. That would be ridiculous. Yeah. What referee would come to someone's aid? Jeez. And it seems like, yeah, and it seems like in this particular taping, there are only two f- referees we ever see on camera, Hebner and the other one, which we'll talk about in the next match. It's, the spot wasn't like a complete beatdown spot. It was kind of like shoving the referee into the guardrail, and the referee's kind of selling a little bit of a staggered back injury kind of deal. Um, I didn't see it more of as a, as a beatdown, but it was just weird watching Funk kind of grapple with the ref and kind of drag him through the ropes out of the ring, just frustrated at just how the finish of the match went down. I mean, we've also seen Hogan argue with refs. You know, right. pull his uh, arm up and all, and you know, like he's not—he's not pushing them. He's not going for full-on disqualification, but he's pushing the line there. So what? He's going to suddenly come to one's defense, right? I mean, he's your baby face. You think so? <laughs> but yeah, but the refs are authority figures, maybe. I don't know. So, anyways, uh, Mean Gene interviews Hulk Hogan in the ring um, after the match, of course, with the JYD. They don't call me a deputy dog for nothing. Yeah, Deputy Dog's a, I'm pretty sure it's a Hanna-Barbera character. 
right? I just, you know, it's fine. It's a whole thing. I don't know. I don't know. I just was like, that's just a weird line that he just inserts into that promo. It really is. Match follow up. It right, really is. Weird. Tuned. Can I call you Deputy Dog from now on? There, sure. Why not? I've been called worse. No, I'm gonna call the educator Deputy Dog. You're not worthy of it. No, you're not. Oh. Worthy. The educator is at night. Yeah. Um, <laughs> as long as you're done by twelve. As long as you're done by twelve, Hogan must close. <laughs> uh, then we get Mean Gene by the pool. Uh, and he's with George the Animal Steel and Captain Lou. I mean, what is... I love... It's so weird because we talked about this on the last show, where if this would if this happened now, I would be shitting all over it online. But it's so goofy, over-the-top, entertaining. It's, it's why it's fantastic. And I, you're I right. I don't, it. It, just, it seems so weird that if this was going on with current programming, with current... I guess we're just so conditioned today with wanting better in-ring product. And then maybe it's just the nostalgia of our childhood, how old we were when this was on, you know, and our, our earlier memories, our formative years when we're, you know, getting immersed into the in professional wrestling. And maybe this 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 version pulls at our heartstrings, whereas now current product, we are just so frustrated of the storyline driven stuff as opposed to the in-ring product so i don't know i loved it i i love seeing george animal steel basically stumble down the little kitty slide into the pool and with all the pretty babes all over the place you know it's it's fun do this now with killing dana drake maverick it could still be fun are you just saying that are you just saying killian dane would he be the george animal steel He's typecast. <laughs> it's because he's hairy. Is that why? Yeah. Because he's hairy. That's what I think. I just, I, I, you know, it's just kind of interesting to, to you know, to think about it. That, like we said, if this happened now, we would just be like, nope, nope, definitely not. Um, it, it's the same thing too. I wonder with like a Hogan character. Obviously, you don't have to be the greatest wrestler in the world to get over, right? I mean, there's wrestlers now that I enjoy that are not the best wrestler in the world. They just get over. Um, I, I'm just curious if it's also, too, because there isn't that Hogan-level star now that, you know, could do whatever and do no harm, basically. It is so over, and then all these other cast of characters. Like, I wonder if the Attitude Era, too, had a lot to do with the reason we don't like it because the attitude error and the NWO and all that realism came into it. And it's like, Oh, this right. is fantastic too. The shock reality based stuff versus, you know, the goofy storyline driven. Yeah. It's just, I don't know. We were re- basically, we were reconditioned from the late nineties, the attitude era, you know, the reality era kind of deal to look at wrestling from a different lens as opposed to, you know, what we're seeing, what we're reviewing now from the late eighties. Also too, I, it's, I wonder if UFC plays a, a part in that as well. Well, I mean, even go reality TV programming, you know, I, I don't know that we'll ever go back to a cartoony era again. Like, I don't think you're going to see Roman Reigns rock and wrestling, but even with like the cartoony area, that's more of a, well, see, I don't know because I mean, think about a lot of the stuff they do now is uh, I think you get that more like on your indie scene where you're willing to try different things, not cartoony over the top, but like kid friendly, silly, like Shikara, you know what I mean? Like, right. 
Right. There, there's all these different kinds of wrestling. I, I know you bring it up all the time, Kevin, where it all falls under the same banner. Um, and they're interesting characters and stuff like Orange Cassidy could, could you mm-hmm. know what I mean? He's kind of cut from that cloth of that, you know, late 80s, early 90s, but he can work. Right. But the character itself could, could I think you could pick him out and easily put him in this late 80s. Can't you see him on oh, the beach yeah. with all the all the pretty babes? Absolutely. Absolutely. Fantastic. Yeah, it would be great. Can you imagine if okay, just imagine this. AEW, put it out in the ether there. Uh Kevin, repeat after me, because you are the prognosticator on the on the uh, show. I Kevin Hellions. I Kevin Hellions. And putting it out in the ether for AEW. And putting it out there in the ether for AEW. To have a water slide challenge. To have a water slide challenge. Between Orange Cassidy. Between Orange Cassidy. And MJF. <laughs> How great would that be? I was going to go. I think you get uh, Anna J and Tecanti going down there on a fast water slide. Who could you get to judge that, though? Me. Me. I thought you were going to go with Adam Van. So. But I see how it is. It could um, be for their little beach blast, you know, you that go. they're yeah. going to have, or bash at the beach or whatever. Is they should do the January water slide show. challenge at the, yeah. the, the beach blast yeah. here next yeah. week or two weeks or whatever it is. Uh, yeah. Can you imagine, though, like MGF's getting all ready, swooping up and stuff, and then Orange Cassidy's like, whatever. And of course, Orange Cassidy wins because it's like, you know, uh, MJF's going to. He's going to have the scarf on and the scarf. He gets like, like caught and he's caught. Stuck. Exactly. Holds him. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah. Great. It Orange itself. Cassidy has denim. <laughs> Somehow he found denim swim trunks. Denim shorts. Yeah. yeah. He, he just, just goes get, down with his hands in his pocket. He's got the little. <laughs> yeah. Or no, there's no. The, the pockets like his hands go through. So it's just like. Like the pockets are cut off. Like he cut his jeans. So his hand. You know. <laughs> Does that make any sense? It's not always sunny. I'll send you guys the photo later, but uh, he's got the little sun lotion on his nose. Yeah, he's got, he's the, got glasses. The, the, yeah. the neon orange. Yeah. It, it writes itself. Absolutely. It really does. So, um, yeah, well, we followed that up with Jesse the Body Ventura interviewing the Macho Man with uh, Miss Elizabeth. She's learning how to swim. Well, uh, water wings, something gentle, maybe a class or something for learning how to swim. All right, something safe. I think the educator has stolen how to teach from uh, Macho Man here when it comes to driving. Put him in right right on the interstate highway, hoping for the best in the middle of a snowstorm. That's how we start. Uh, Yeah, and that leads right to match number three on the night with, of course, is the Macho Man Randy Savage with Miss Elizabeth uh, taking on George the Animal Steel with Captain Lou Albano with special guest referee Dean Malenko. What? Future Four Horsemen, Dean Malenko, Dino Machino. So we're in Tampa, and the Malenkos are from Florida. And a little research on my end. Yeah, he started refereeing, you know, part-time in the Florida area as he's still actively training to become a professional wrestler. Both he and his brother Joe were, uh, you know, still training and and actively uh, uh, seeking out opportunities. And in this case, uh, as an active referee. And, I mean, if you look at Malenko, I mean, like, if you look at his arms, he he, he looks, he's ready to go. He's definitely ready ready to be an in-ring performer. I mean, why not? You, You get in there, you learn. You get a paycheck, you get your name known, 
you get your face in front of people makes sense were you guys like me where at first you're like no nah, that can't be <laughs> there's no way i it took me a couple of real looks at him and i'm like that's absolutely dean malenko it's crazy yeah it uh took me by storm but uh what did you think of uh what did you think of the match uh it, it, your typical chick heel stalling running avoiding the confrontation uh and then the quick distracted spot to knock knock the animal down and get the quick pinfall um fun for what it was uh continuing their storyline eventually building towards what will be a wrestlemania 2 match uh, I mean, at this point, Savage is not Intercontinental Champion yet. He'll be winning that title very soon from Tito. Yeah, it's a good chapter in a larger story. Uh, it's a fine single issue of a comic, but I'd be disappointed if it was the entire story. But it's just right. another chapter. Like, it was fine. Yeah, so why don't you uh, go ahead and break down the Macho Man versus Georgie Animal Steel with special guest referee Dean Malenko. <laughs> so we see the start of the match with a lot of stalling on Macho Man's part as George Steele chases Randy Savage out to the floor. Uh, Savage circles around, gets back into the ring, and then we see a rinse and repeat. Uh, eventually, we see Macho Man and George Steele lock up. We see Animal essentially biting on Randy Savage's forehead against the ropes. And then George Animal Steel ends up running and tossing Randy Savage over the top rope to the opposite of the, opposite side of the ring onto the floor. George Steele gives chase to Macho Man Randy Savage on the floor as Savage is moving around uh, towards Elizabeth. We see George Animal Steele distracted by Elizabeth, and he ends up stop chasing Randy Savage and turns his attention towards Elizabeth himself. Eventually, Animal crawls back into the ring, and Savage hits a few knee lifts, but George Steele ends up brawling back against Savage. Both men end up back out on the floor brawling. We see Randy Savage running away. To avoid confrontation, he, at one point he ends up grabbing Elizabeth and using her as a shield to keep uh, her between both himself and George the Animal Steel. Eventually, Savage rolls back into the ring. And Steel, uh, George Steel follows. We see a body slam uh, to uh, Randy Savage from George the Animal Steel, and then George Steel sets his sights on the turnbuckle and begins tearing at grind biting the turnbuckle and tearing it and shredding the turnbuckle uh, to have basically the interior confetti all over the ring. We see Randy Savage trying to climb Steele's back as he's still working on the turnbuckle himself. George Steele takes a handful of the confetti uh, from the turnbuckle and grinds it stiffly against Randy Savage's face. Savage rolls out onto the floor to regroup. George Animal Steele gets distracted working on the turnbuckle by Elizabeth again. And we see Randy Savage roll back into the ring. He climbs to the top rope, dives off, and hits a double axe handle onto a distracted George the Animal Steel. Ends up knocking Steel down. Randy Savage for the cover. One, two, three. And your winner, Randy Macho Man Savage. Post-match, we end up seeing Randy Savage essentially pick up Elizabeth, hoisting her over his shoulder, carrying her back to the dressing room uh, on his shoulder, and eventually we go to commercial. It seemed like still establishing Savage, but Georgia Animal Steel's you know been around a little longer. But it was oh Savage is crazy. He's unhinged. Who knows what he can do in the ring? What if we had someone even crazier face him? Because Georgia Animal Steel's nuts. But then Savage coming in with taking advantage of the moment, defeating Steel easily, and then it's like yes, he's crazy, but he's also smart. 
whereas Steel is just crazy in this persona. So I think it, it adds more to Savage in this win of, yeah, he's nuts. Yeah, he's unpredictable. You don't know what's going to happen in here. He's also good. He's smart. He could beat you anytime. I think it just adds more to the mystique of him. I'm wondering between the earlier segment of Savage just pushing Elizabeth into the pool and her splashing around because you know she can't swim, the things he does to her in this match, him carrying her away. If you could do Macho and Eliz at this level and the things that are implied today, and I think people are more aware that it's a show, it's performance, and all today. But I still think if you went this far with it, people would say you went too far and lines right. were crossed. Yeah. I mean, there was a couple of times he's like, when she's on the apron, he's in the ring. He's still getting his gear on. He's like threatening to backhand her, hit her, you know, and she's kind of like warding off, avoiding, you know, being, you know, she's being chewed out, yelled at by Savage. So there is a fine line that was being skated. I don't know. Yeah. Whether or not you could have actually accomplished that today on with current guidelines and standards. And and that's the thing, like knowledge I have never, you know, knowing either of them personally, I do believe it was all an act to show rile up the crowd, get them going, makes money. I don't think he actually did anything like that, but I think if you did it today, cops are going to be called someone's house. Like I really think people are, would flip out or, try to boycott wwe you're promoting you know an abuser i i even if they could pull it off you'd have such a small segment think it's real and blow it up online that they'd have to stop it so let's follow that up with what to me is the highlight of the evening oh boy the fun in the sun highlight video oh i i titled it after the song playing yeah riot in the streets there's a riot in the streets. By Nigel there's Jenkins. <laughs> who sang it? Nigel Jenkins. Oh, I didn't even look up who sang it. It's on Apple. I don't even know who don't that worry, is. Don't worry, it's on Apple Music. I'm not just, I may wake up to the song every morning now. <laughs> is it, uh, <laughs> did Nigel Jenkins there ever play with Farmer's Daughter? <laughs> Maybe that's why there was a riot in the streets. There you go. What a timely song. It really is. Very timely. Uh, <laughs> Orwellian, if you will. Uh, it was very good. So, And here in this montage, you do get to see Cousin Junior. There you go. Who is very different from Cousin Luke. Are you sure? If you do a side-by-side, you can't tell them apart. Oh, I'm sure you can. Just count the teeth. They're both odd numbers. Yeah, um, so anyways, we get Mean Gene uh, interviewing uh, Volkoff. Uh, with the Iron Sheik and classy Freddie Blassie. Um, then we get Jesse interviewing Cor- Corporal Kushner, who zip lines into water. <laughs> his extensive training helps to prepare mm-hmm. him to enter the water. It's part of his army training, yeah. Yeah. Uh, and then we get the Soviet National Anthem, and then we get a peace match. <laughs> Another timely match. Another timely scientific affair between these two combatants in the squared circle. Well, I mean, yeah, you're you're being told you can trust Russia, and then out of nowhere, they do something shady. It's weird. Yeah, uh, that leads to match number four, which is Corporal Kushner taking on Nikita Kol or no, who's Nikolai Nikolai Volkov. Uh, no, wrong Russian, wrong fed. I have I have one note for this match. 
It just says cartwheel. <laughs> I don't know. Did Volkov do a cartwheel? Did Kushkov do a cartwheel. cartwheel? And it was a weird, like, need. Like, there was no point in doing the cartwheel <laughs> in terms of trying to avoid a set of offense from no. Kirshner. This match was awful. It just showed how limited Kirshner was. I'm I'm surprised he lasted as long as he did in WWF lore. He ended up getting a match at WrestleMania 2, which is kind of he shocking. You got an LJN. Yeah. You got an mm-hmm. LJN as well. Uh, but, yeah, this, uh, his, his promo, not good. Uh, you know, look at the camera, you know, as opposed to looking off to the side. And uh, the in-ring work, not good at all. They were pushing him, though. They were pushing him hard. Well, I mean, with his know... background and stuff. Right. Do you know where uh, he ended up? Host his WWF run eventually and years later. He's under a mask, isn't he? He was under a mask. Yeah. In IWA. Japan IWA, not Mid-South IWA. Japan IWA, correct, yeah. He ended up becoming uh, Leatherface in IWA, Japan. For those uh, that are the hardcore tape traders and Cactus Jack, Terry Funk, Thumbtack, that kind of stuff. I think he was on Stranglemania for... Stranglemania. Yeah. Um, so you you said this match is awful, Educator. Not good. Awfully good. Can I make one suggestion that could make this match a thousand times better? Get rid of the peace gimmick. No, no. <laughs> I like the peace gimmick. What's that, Kevin? Every, yeah, every time there's a clean break, you do a shot. No. Wheel with a backwards R. Is if Volkov wears his Robin costume. <laughs> That would if Cheeky Baby came down with a Batman costume. <laughs> it would be great. It would be great. It would be, be fantastic. Uh, so why don't you go ahead and break down uh, this one for us? All right. So we see the start of the match with Volkov tying up with Kirshner, and he ends up backing Kirshner into the ropes in that tie-up. And we see a clean break because this is a peace match between the two. Kirshner ends up backing Volkov up into the ropes with another tie-up, and we see another clean break. Volkov with a wrist lock takeover to Corporal Kirshner. Kirshner is able to escape and does a standing side headlock onto Nikolai Volkov. We see Volkov end up rebounding and ends up rolling Kirshner's shoulders to the mat for an attempted two-count attempt uh, from referee Dean Malenko. Volkov is able to escape. We end up seeing a top wrist lock test of strength between both men. Uh, Eventually, Nikolai is pushing Kirshner down, but Kirshner is able to overcome and eventually he escapes, and we see a clean rope break again as Kirshner backs uh, Volkov to the ropes. We see Nikolai Volkov with a waist lock takedown and a bridge onto Corporal Kirshner for a one-count attempt from the referee. Both men tie up again. We see a body slam by Volkov, and Kirshner uh, ends up sliding down the back before he's able to be tossed down by Nikolai Volkov. Kirshner ends up doing a backland bridge attempt roll up onto Nikolai Volkov. We only get a one count from referee Dean Malenko. Kirshner with another standing side headlock. That seems to be the theme throughout the match. Uh, Volkov ends up backing Kirshner into the corner and we get another clean break. We see another tie up with Kirshner getting another side headlock onto Nikolai Volkov. We see an arm twist and a hammer lock onto Nikolai Volkov. Volkov is able to escape by running to the ropes and ends up doing a cartwheel to avoid Kirshner, who is sitting basically on the mat waiting for some kind of response. 
Volkov ends up hitting the opposing ropes again and hits a shoulder tackle to knock Kirshner down off the off, to, off his feet to the canvas. Volkov hits the ropes again, only to get taken down by Corporal Kirshner in like an armbar attempt. We see Corporal Kirshner with a small package a cradle onto Nikolai Volkov for a two count. Volkov ends up uh, taking Kirshner into the ropes and backing him into the ropes, but instead of a clean break, Volkov ends up doing a knee to the gut. So now all the rules are out the window, and the peace match is now nullified here. Volkov does a body slam and a throat drop by picking up Kirshner as if he's going to body slam him, but ends up pressing him throat first over the top rope to do a clothesline onto Corporal Kirshner. Volkov ends up hitting the ropes and does a running, dropping knee onto a downed Kirshner and gets a 1-2-3 pinfall victory over the Corporal. Post-match, Corporal Kirshner is kind of frustrated, annoyed about the, the lack of the clean break that led to the combination of moves to his pinfall. Uh, for whatever reason, Sheik gets into the ring to celebrate with Volkov. Corporal Kirshner ends up attacking both men, ends up body slamming. Uh, the Iron Sheik ends up headbutting both men. And eventually, Sheik and Volkov stumble out onto the floor. And Volkov celebrates his victory as Sheiky is posing to the crowd. I don't recall Sheik must pose. I recall Hogan must pose. I don't recall Sheik must pose. Um, I mean, when a roll-up pin attempt is the most exciting move in the match, you got a five-star classic going on here. It is not good at all. Not good. Clearly, they're pushing him, though. Like, yeah. A Rambo thing, an All-American thing, if they I mean, wanted. He's I got the know. look. He's got the look. I mm-hmm. mean, in terms of, like, the gimmick is cool. Like, in terms of, like, he, arms, he's in shape. It's just the promo's not there and the in-ring work. I mean, there's so many standing side headlocks in this match. I felt like I was watching Buff Bagwell Booker T on the WCW Invasion. It was just crazy. Just way too much. I, I mean, First Blood is 1982 and Rainbow First Blood Part 2 is 85. So it's got to be like that's the influence for that's it. That's absolutely sure. the, what they're going after. But. Him in a tag probably would have made more sense. Right. Get him trained, get him, you know, some experience and all. Honestly, you like get him with a good enough partner. He probably could have won the belts with it. Um, but it just, it really seems like they are expecting so much more of him than he's capable of. I mean, it happens a lot in, in wrestling, but it is blatant here. And I, I was honestly shocked. Nikolai got the pin too. After dropping the big knee after hitting the rope. Yeah. I thought for sure. Corporal would have gotten it. I just love the fact. Declan X, Declan X is laughing. No. He's selling hard. <laughs> He's got storylines going on, man. It's great. You just hear how happy their kid is. It's oh, fantastic. It's, it's you want me to ask him what he's playing right now? Yeah, bring him on the show. <laughs> Declan, what are you playing right now? They want to know. What? They want to know what Declan's playing right now. Declan and I are playing Adopt Me. Thank you very much. They're it's a it's a Roblox one, right? Yeah. Yeah, it's in Roblox. Oh, oh okay. <laughs> what the hell's going on in that house, Kevin? They're trying to get a mega neon dingo. <laughs> okay. I mean, who doesn't want a mega neon dingo? <laughs> Do they want to know any more? <laughs> Do you want to know any more? There's a, I have a lot of questions. 
but I'm going to save them for next week's episode of The Hot Tag with Kevin Hellions. Presented by the day on The Hot Tag. We're going to just tag the Hellions. Adopt me. Oh, Lisa's all for it. Yeah. You know what else she would be all for? Don Morocco surfing. <laughs> Ladies. I'm, I'm so confused about Morocco um, in that he, it's just weird how he was kind of like, to me, a pudgy, out of shape, big guy. He's from Hawaii, but. You don't hear the Hawaiian accent, the Hawaiian stereotype. Uh, I mean, other than he's surfing, um, he's and the, there's nothing about his Hawaiian heritage at all in his character. I, and then just a couple years later, you see how absolutely jacked he becomes when he's the Rock Don Morocco, the, under the tutelage of superstar Billy Graham. It's just crazy the transformation we see in this character as he jumps from uh, being heel to eventually babyface uh, in in a couple of years. I think he's just everybody's friend and having fun. Yeah. He at, at every moment on camera, he looks like he's just having a blast. Absolutely. I really hope at some point because he is referred to as the Rock that they, with his Hawaiian heritage and everything, I hope they refer to him as the Tribal Chief, the Rock, Don Morocco, <laughs> and everyone's just stealing his gimmicks. <laughs> that would be fantastic. Uh, so we get Mean Gene Okerlin interviewing Don Morocco with Mister Fuji. Um, I have three things that I wrote down here. Okay. Um, a few too. <laughs> Go ahead. Uh, boiled dog, fried boiled dog, dog, and raw dog. dog. Raw dog. You've never eaten raw dog. Raw dog, huh? No raw dog experience, Matt. I've never tried raw dog. Oh, you should. <laughs> I I have never had a complaint. You've never had a complaint about raw dog. That no, no, I do you I put anything on it? Time. I mean, do you put like you know, no, that's the whole point. So, you don't put like wasabi <laughs> or the ginger sauce on it? No, 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 I don't know. No, it has its own sauce. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> I, I would think like, like, I, I think boiled dog would be better because it's juicier. Oh, no, 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 no. In all of my experiences, Raw Dog has been just as juicy. Just as juicy? Oh, make it stop. Make it stop. You okay over there, Educator? Educator, have you had Raw Dog before? I can't say that I have. No? No. Not at all. You don't know? Oh, oh, I know. I just, I'm not at all. I'm pretty confident that I have not. <laughs> okay. I don't know. I've never had it, guys. So, what you guys think of this promo? As <laughs> I say, no note about, quote, Mr. Fuji, what do you do with dogs in Japan? <laughs> I mean, <laughs> I mean, I'm trying to tiptoe through the racism here. Yeah. Wasn't that a song? Yeah, Tiny Tiny Tim from the first episode. (laughs) Tiptoe through the racism. I mean, he was was hanging out with Hogan, so. It's crazy how blatant over the top they are 
and like it was just the norm it's acceptable and like you would never even think about being able to do this on on national tv today intent goes a long way for it like there's certain things that you can say when it's obvious you're all goofing around you're having fun there's a respect for each other and you're just having a good time versus we are just being horribly offensive Right. And there is a difference. I think we we brought that up too when we covered the um like the Bobby the Brain Heenan Gorilla Monsoon commentary. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, where everything is kind of said tongue in cheek and uh you know they're 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 just trying to get a rise out of each other and stuff. Whereas on commentary during the attitude era, a lot of stuff could be very mean and vulgar just for the sake of being vulgar. I think too the way the king Jerry Lawler can get away with being the dirty old man. But when Jr. says something about a wardrobe malfunction, everyone jumps on him. It's, it's kind of like uh, he's supposed to be the serious one. Yeah. It's, it's just kind of, uh, it's interesting. The roles everyone has. And it's, and it's all the difference in the era to, you know, 86 versus 97, 98, you know, Lots of things have, have different perspectives as to what's appropriate and considered fine on TV standards and practices, brother. Yeah. Um, educator, I do have a question for you because we are the trios tag team champions. Okay. Um, if we were each a type of dog, which one would we be? Uh, who would be the boiled dog? Who would be the fried dog? And who would be the raw dog? Uh, I would <laughs> hope I would be the, uh, I, I, I would be the fried dog. I think you'd be the raw dog. I'm the raw dog? <laughs> You're the raw dog. Right, thank you. I guess. I don't know. Hallians is, is the boiled. <laughs> Kevin, any comments about that? I do puff up plump. <laughs> Can't argue with that. All right. Can't argue with that. Yeah. Um, so then we have Mean Gene interviewing uh, Ricky the Dragon Steamboat with a JYD, a junkyard dog. And then we go right into our main event of the evening main event um so as everyone knows guys we unveiled the new segment last week it is now time for the man in the main event with kevin hellions Who puts the man in the main event? It's Kevin Elliott. Who is the king of that nerd content? It's Kevin Elliott. Who has a Patreon to pay the rent? It's Kevin Elliott. Who used to work in a giant tent? It's Kevin Elliott. Remember, you can't spell main event without me. Okay. Main event here. Tag match. Don Morocco and Mr. Fuji versus Ricky Steamboat and the Junkyard Dog. Quote right before the match, the little commercial teaser coming up. Bad blood. I'm not even sure if Taylor Swift was born at this point. Fuji tosses Dragon. Morocco kicks JYD. Fuji slams Dragon on the floor. JYD misses the headbutt. JYD with a very sloppy arm drag on Morocco. A headbutt, 
a headbutt to Morocco's nose shakes him. Fuji and Don Morocco with shockingly quick tags. Steamboat hypes up the crowd. Fuji, what does he do? Fu some, Fuji does something in the corner. I can't even read what I wrote. <laughs> uh, That's Fuji like in the corner. That's Fuji in the spot. Like losing it looks like a real e top the corner. I'm sure that's not it. I'm leaving that in. Uh, headbutt to the crotch. <laughs> headbutt to the crotch. Morocco with lots of kicks and stomps. Not much else. JYD escapes the corner. Morocco into the post. Hot tag to the dragon. Ricky Steamboat with a chop, and Morocco flies back about 10 feet. Steamboat slingshots Morocco into Fuji. Crossbody off the top. Fuji kicks Dragon to break the pin. Ricky Steamboat tags JYD, headbutt, and JYD pins Fuji. Morocco takes a couple more hits and then gets out of the ring. Then Morocco comes back to get in some cheap shots from the floor. And that was your main event. I was actually impressed with Mr. Fuji and Morocco together, though. All right. Fuji, I think, wrestled a better match than Morocco did. Like, he actually looked really good there. But just, there seemed to be a bond of camaraderie, a lot of good tags, a lot of... Like, they were just on the same page for it. They were very right. fun together. And this, outside of Fuji Vice, they were entertaining together. The uh, the headbutt that Fuji hits onto JYD's lower abdomen, where it's basically a falling headbutt into the crotch. I mean, you expect that to be, like, the goofy spot. You know, you're, you're, you hit against the turnbuckle and you're staggered and you end up stumbling down. I mean, that would be a comedy spoof spot. But it's purposefully a blatant almost low blow you're hitting on the low abdomen high groin kind of deal uh just weird seeing i guess devious mr fuji pulling off that particular uh, maneuver uh in my notes i was impressed with steamboats flying body press off the top rope onto morocco uh weird that the finish was just a, a headbutt to fuji and a quick pinfall from JYD. So no real like finishing maneuver, big power slam, thump, or anything like that. Um, kind of fun match between the the two random pairings. I mean, I know Fuji is technically the manager of Morocco, but the random pairing of JYD and, and Ricky Steamboat. This is the Ricky Steamboat I remember this particular gear where he's got the combination of the long red uh red pants for the tights and then he's got the cover gear of the black trunks over the red tights itself this is what i remember for steamboat and uh, going into his feud with macho man randy savage later in 86 and then eventually wrestlemania 3 in 87 and that's about it guys no. <laughs> i mean that's it, it. it really was i mean you get vince and jesse standing up and, and doing their their stuff at the end as they always do and they thank it us. It takes them like it takes them like three times to close the show. Yeah, they get all right. Yeah. All right, here we go. We're going to say a couple words and then we'll be back. Okay, a couple more words and we'll be back. And then the close. Yeah, it's like the end of Lord of the Rings. That's why. That's where we get our ending from. Mm-mm. You know. So I got it's for, happy though. I got nothing for you guys. I'm done. Calling it a night. Yeah, we're calling it a night. Uh, so that's going to do it for this episode of Saturday night's main event. Fun in the sun um, on next week's show. Main event Saturday, Saturday night's main event episode five. Um, it'll take place on uh, in March, I guess. 
Um, Kevin, you want to know what you are covering? Oh, I can't wait. Are you sure? Yeah. All right. So the main event for Kevin Hallians is man in the main event call will be Adrian Adonis with Jimmy Hart taking on the JYD Junkyard Dog. Okay. Just thinking about that, how long do you think that match is? Four minutes. Okay. I'm not going to tell you how long it is. I'm just curious. That's all I got for you guys. Educator. Another one in the bag. Another man. one in the bag. What do you want to say to everyone out there? Well, <laughs> I hope you guys, by the, uh, the, as the taping of this show, I w- hope you guys wish me luck on my rapid COVID test <laughs> that I have scheduled in two days. Hopefully the results will be uh, very favorable on my end. Or uh, we'll be cranking out about 37 episodes in the next two weeks because I'll be at home wondering what it is that I'm going to be doing with my life and hopefully surviving. Um, Wish everybody uh, a big thank you uh, to continuing to support our podcast and listening to our episodes. As always, um, take a look at the Retro Network. Lots of different offerings that are there. Help support uh, all the different podcasts that are filtered through the retro network and take a look lots of different content for you to peruse and enjoy. Yeah. So I just want to say thank you everyone to listening to the house show. It's so much fun to put together. Uh, thank you to everyone for visiting uh, the website, the retro network website. Of course, just remember, we do want to thank our sponsor retrofied magazine. Um, you know, it's a, it's a great nostalgia magazine if you are on that uh you know the nostalgia tip um that is definitely something you guys want to check out look at um our twitter account and make sure you are retweeting the giveaway tweet uh of course we will announce uh, a winner uh at a later time so uh you'll be able to choose from if you want a digital copy or a print copy um but besides that though guys thank you so much um and uh, get ready for, uh, you know, Royal Rumble. Royal Rumble's on Sunday. So it's exciting. Always a good time to have the Royal Rumble. So, uh, but that's it from me, Mr. Kevin Hellions. Why don't you take us up? All right. Thank you guys for another good show. Thank you to everyone listening. Thank you to the Retro Network for hosting us, WWE Network for the content. Thank you to Richard Reader and Jason Gross for our logos. You can follow us across the internet and very important there for our contest at trn house show you can follow matt online at maddie treats you can follow me at mass library masslibrary.com is the home blog don't forget check out retrofied magazine and uh you know the more support there is for this issue the more issues that will come later on uh and i have i gosh i should have brought this up earlier guys um I'm not going to actually be here next week for next week's show. However, Luke Hellions will be here. And it's okay because Treats won't even know there's a difference. This has been a presentation of the Retro Network.